you know, Arizona is still a top 10 state in population growth. Uh, you know, jobs and labor force have, have really recovered from pandemic levels and, and uh, W-2s continue to rise and unemployment claims continue to fall. So, um, you know, I, I do think there's going to be more buyers out there, really. And I do think we're going to see a, a healthy market still. Um, so I, I do think appreciation will, will slow. We won't see like, you know, the, the double digits appreciation that we've seen. Hey, y'all. Katie here with Team Evoazy at EXP Realty. We are so excited for season four of Real with Matt and Katie, and we have so much juicy real estate goodness lined up for you for this season. Thank you so much for following us and for listening to our show. Remember, we are based in the Phoenix, Arizona area. So if you're interested in buying a home, selling a home, or you just have general real estate questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We are a valley-wide team. Our handle is at Team Evoazy on all of your favorite social media platforms. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, it's Katie and Matt. We are that real estate married couple talking a lot about real estate and a little bit about life based in the Phoenix area. Yes. That's us. And we've been doing this for quite some time. We are now in season four of Real with Matt and Katie. Wow. So yeah. So That's welcome crazy. back, everybody. Thank you so much for following us and for sticking it out with us for this long. Thank you, Ryan, for being here with Hi. us today, as usual. We look forward Thank you. To season four is my favorite of the series, actually. So it's, it's been a hot series, a hot season so far. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, seriously has. So thank you again for being here for our monthly market update. So let's jump right into it. How are we doing with rates, Ryan? There's been some move, movement, hasn't there? Yeah, yeah th there's a lot to talk about. It's been a pretty exciting couple of weeks in, in the, the mortgage front. So uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to address. First and foremost, uh, if you've been watching the news, you've probably seen that inflation right now is at pretty much a, a high, the highest that they've seen in the past uh, 30 years, uh, year over year. Uh, the consumer price index, it's, it's at 6.2%. And uh, we were prepared to see it increase. And that, that's going to be a result of, of what we've been going through for the past uh, you know, year and a half. You know, since March of last year, you know, the, the Federal Reserve has been pumping money into the economy to really keep it going, to, to keep people buying. And it's worked. You know, we've seen the housing market at all-time highs. Um, you know, and, and people have been spending, which is great. But uh, as a result of that, there's a lot more money out there right now. And when there's more money, the value of that money goes down. That, right. That's what inflation is. So on top of that, you know, we have some supply chain issues. So, you know, we're seeing that groceries are more expensive, cars, computers. And uh, I wanted to bring up inflation because um, that's it's not good for interest rates. When, when the, the value of your money goes down, uh, the prices of actual bonds go down and that increases interest rates. So that's one thing that's kind of putting pressure on, on where rates are going is inflation. And the other thing, the Fed met last, uh, last week, and what they did is they discussed their tapering. I know we discussed that in prior podcasts. And what that is, you know, they were, they were spending some money to keep interest rates low, to, to keep, you know, things moving and the economy strong during the pandemic. And um, they're really going to let their, their foot off the gas, and they're going to slow those down. They announced that they were going to start this month, and that was a surprise. Some people were thinking December. Some people were thinking January, but they're kind of starting to, to taper their purchases. And, and that is going to lead to, to a little bit of higher rates. So it's kind of those two combined things that are coming together that we're going to see increases here by probably the first quarter of next year. But we have already seen a little bit of an increase 
this week. It jumped about an eighth to a quarter, depending on, on certain programs. But the, the interesting thing is it's still very competitive historically. Um, we're averaging right now, like on a conventional loan, um, about a 3%. Um, and, and it might be going up to about a three and a quarter here by early next week. So that's still very good. Uh, we, we got some statistics here because as the Federal Reserve is, is starting to, to taper more and not keep rates artificially low, what we're really predicting, I kind of wrote it out here, this was coming from a few different sources that have been pretty accurate on their rate predictions. They're thinking quarter one of next year, maybe about a 3.375 average. Uh, quarter two, maybe about 3.45. And by quarter three, maybe 3.625. Now we don't know, no one has a crystal ball. We're not really sure. But uh, when you look at things historically, you know, like in 2019, that, that's pretty much where we were. And we had a strong market at those interest rates because that's still historically very low. So, you know, I still find that as a positive, even without, with the inflation numbers we're having and with the Federal Reserve doing the tapering, that, uh, that that's still very competitive rates. It is, but it's going to also play into the affordability um, yeah. for some people, right? So we're not, so in the mar in our part of it, <laughs> in, in the housing part of it, um, we're seeing, let me show you a slide actually really quick. We are seeing a little bit of, hold on, a little bit of a slowdown, right? And so mm. we're feeling that, hold on, I'm not finding it. I am a little weird this morning here. All right, here we go. So this is the last year's worth. And this is our month's inventory. This is my favorite column right here, all the way over to the right-hand side. And so you can see from you know August, September, now to October, 2021, we're kicking up in month's inventory just a little bit. It's not yeah. a ton. I mean, you know, back in the day, in like back in 2019, like you were talking, we, we, this number was a lot higher. And so this is still very low inventory for us, um, but we're feeling a little bit of a slowdown, especially in certain price points. Are you feeling that as well? I am. Yeah. And um, I'm almost kind of encouraged by, it. you know, I've been working with some clients for months and months who, who couldn't get offers accepted, you know, because each, each uh, listing had six or seven or 10 offers on it. And, and we're starting to finally see some offers getting accepted. So it, it seems like it's a little less competitive out there. And, and there is a little bit more inventory. I have noticed that. Yes, there is, but it's not like it is slowing down the, well, maybe slowing down the, how rapid we were growing in terms of yes. equity and in, in terms of how high our prices were going, but our prices aren't falling. Um, Armless actually reported it last month that there's been a little bit of a slowdown, but the prices aren't falling. So they're still, you know, on the uptick. And to speak to your point about the rates, this is something that I found uh, this morning that I saw in Keeping Current Matters. And I thought it was really interesting. The most popular question that I've gotten in 2021 is when's the crash? When's, when yeah. uh, you know, are prices gonna start falling? And so I thought this was a really cool slide to share, and it shows the costs of waiting to buy 2021 versus 2022. And it's talking about your interest rates here. So of course, you know, this is across the country. Um, but what do you think about this information here? I'm, I'm full on agree with the purchase amount increase that they're showing on this graph. What do you think about the interest rates? Yeah, that's kind of in line a little bit. I think that's a little bit more aggressive. A little high, yeah. 
But yeah, because it, uh, it do, I guess it depends on quarter four, because what experts were saying is quarter three, maybe a 3.625. Uh, that's close to the 3.7. Um, I don't think that'll be the average, but I think we'll, we'll maybe get there by, by year end. And uh, but yeah, yeah, appreciation, I think that's about right on. Um, actually, I was reading the Cromford report before we were meeting here, and uh, they were saying basically that the medium price is still rising at 1% per month. Yeah, but they, they do think, think things will be softer. But, um, you know, Arizona is still a top 10 state in population growth. Uh, you know, jobs and labor force have, have really recovered from pandemic levels and, and uh, W-2s continue to rise and unemployment claims continue to fall. So, um, you know, I, I do think there's going to be more buyers out there, really. And I do think we're going to see a, a healthy market still. Um, so I, I do think appreciation will, will slow. We won't see like, you know, the, the double digits appreciation that we've seen. Right. But we yeah. don't, I don't think we're going to see a dip at all with, with uh, the way the market is. No, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, ultimately, you know, you just kind of look at it almost as an analogy of like your speed limit on the road. If you're, you're, you're used to doing 50 miles an hour and all of a sudden traffic is doing 90 miles an hour, you're doing 90 miles an hour and you're doing that for an hour. All of a sudden you start to slow down to even 80 miles an hour or 70 miles an hour. You're going to feel that decrease and you're going to be like, whoa, it's really noticeable. But the bottom line is, is you're still doing 25 miles an hour over the normal speed limit. Um, And I think people see that they react to it. and, And I don't think it should be reacted to as something negative. I think it should definitely be something you know, I mean, acknowledged as, as healthy. It's what everyone's kind of wanted out of one side of their mouth. They want all this appreciation, but out of the other side of their mouth, they want something that's healthy and not going to pop. So I think this is, I think this is exactly it. And to what you were saying, you feel like it's comfortable and it's good stuff. Yeah. And I really just want the message to get out there to our audience and our followers. If you're sitting in the, in a rental Check this out. So this is again from Keeping Current Matters. And again, it's nationwide. The average homeowner gained approximately 51,500 in equity during the past year. I would say that that's probably true for the majority of cases here in the Phoenix area. And, you know, as far for renters, you just don't get the same benefit. I mean, your rent payment covers your cost of shelter and that's it. Like you're not, you're not gaining anything there. You're not getting any tax write-offs. There's no potential wealth gain when you're lining somebody else's pocket. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think, you know, probably with this information, some renters are feeling like, hey, we're making the right decision, which you probably are. Um, I think it's really going to be fitting to your own personal situation. If you're putting your toe in the water as far as Phoenix goes, and you don't think you're you're confident you're going to be able to call this home for the next five years, you know, renting might be the best the best option. But if you know that, Hey, we're going to be planting our seeds here for three plus years. You know, I I do think purchasing would save you a lot of money. Um, You'd have the tax benefits. And I just think it'd be just an overall good investment. Um, Yeah. I, I agree with it depends on your situation though, because, you know, I have some clients that don't know that Phoenix is their home for the next four or five years, but they've got great paying jobs and they understand the power of building wealth through owning property and through real estate. And so they're purchasing homes in, in, you know, with the, the future thought of renting them out once oh, yeah. they are moved and, or whatever, wherever they end up going. Absolutely. And if you have the capabilities in your financial planning that you could say, hey, this could end up being an investment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because one of the things, if all of a sudden, you know, rates do go up, we know that supply and demand is one of the biggest 
things that we're seeing here and supply being very low, historically low. There's just not a lot of units. So if all of a sudden rates go up, people have to have a place to live. People are going to be a little bit more apprehensive. So therefore, our rental market's only going to go up. You're going to see the rental go, rental market go up. You're going to see less inventory. And therefore, that tolerance for that higher rate is only going to increase from a buyer's perspective because they're like, crap, this is what I'm paying for in rent. Yep. So it's you're kind of, no matter what, going to put yourself in a pickle if you're playing long-term rental game and you have the capital and you have you know, the resources to purchase. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've actually gotten more and more kind of a, a panicked calls from some of our clients who've been approved that, that are in rentals because, uh, you know, when their lease is up, they've been getting calls from their landlords saying, oh, hey, guys, your, your rent's increasing $200, $300. Yeah. And, yep. uh, yeah. And, and, you know, as property values go up, you know, the landlords will look at their property value and be like, I, I could ask a lot more rent for, for this much home value. And, uh, and they're going to pass that on to the renters, obviously. So, you know, lock in, uh, you know, a competitive interest rate and the same principal and interest payment for 30 years. <laughs> you know, so mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about that. Exactly. Know? And the good news is, to kind of circle back to a previous conversation, the good news is, is, is yes, you're exactly right. The competition has lifted just a bit. And I think that there is some huge news here um, that we should share. And this is what I was going to put Matt on the spot for. I told him before the show, I'm like, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're going to have to answer something. You don't even know what it is. Um, but a couple of shows back, or maybe even the previous show, I'm not, I don't remember which, uh, the market update, we had reported on the vast amount of properties that iBuyers were purchasing, um, you know, namely the, the two big ones, right? We know who they are. Starts with an O, starts with a Z, right? And they made some pretty big announcements over the mm -hmm. last month or so, didn't they? Um, yeah. That has really, really changed the ballgame here. And I think will be very beneficial to buyers in our area that are not investors, that are just purchasing a home for their family. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say, you know, at the end of the day, I think everyone's heard the news about Zillow and, and their abrupt exit from, from purchasing, doing their, their iBuyer tactic. Um, it came as a surprise to a lot of people, um, you know, and not only the fact that they decided to do that there, you know, layoffs are going to be kind of tailing that. And that was right in their reports. Um, that really shook that whole platform of iBuying. Yeah. Um, you know, I think at first, even like looking at now, um, um, Open Door um, and these other larger, you know, iBuyers that were taking that marketplace, you know, they, they kind of boosted from Zillow exiting because they're saying, hey, now our revenue is going to go up. Our market share is going to go up. Um, and that was short term. But now, you know, I just actually read some articles this morning about that on how they're now diving in deeper to really see what these eye buying institutions represent and what their what their real goal is. And it's funny because it's not real estate. It's data. <laughs> You know what I mean? And that's it. It's data. Um, Open door might slightly be more towards the short-term real estate, but Zillow was built more off data. Um, yeah. And then at the end of the day, when they start looking at markets becoming more flat, potentially declining, that data is there. They don't know how to read it and there's no yeah. value to it. Um, now, of course, you have Open Door and these other ones that have literally all their eggs into one basket of iBuying, where a few of the other ones like Redfin and all these others that, you know, they had their tentacles out there and they had different types of revenue sources versus just buying and selling. They are able to kind of soften, but these ones like Open Door, they're, they're acting like, yeah, this is great. 
but I'm willing to bet within the next six to eight months, we're going to see, you know, you might not see any news or see, but you'll see offers being a lot less, mm -hmm. a yeah. lot less. Um, well, their properties are sitting on the market for 90, 100, 120 days. I mean, we're seeing, I was looking for a buyer last night and I was looking specifically for something that she could get into and, and actually negotiate on or maybe fix up a little bit. And out of 21 properties, eight of them were owned by Open Door. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I think, I think we're going to see that. Um, and I, I think that kind of goes back to what we've been talking about. We've been preaching this, not so much preaching it, but really reflecting on what we're seeing tangibly in our marketplace and through our experience and hearing from our buyers and the boots on the ground that, hey, this is very, very much a kind of a flash in a pan, riding on the coattails of market conditions. This yeah. isn't something that's really here to stay and, and, and can you know, um, have the resilience to, uh, to forge through, you know, declining and or flat markets. I, you know, and, and we're seeing it right here firsthand and, uh, but it's all good. Um, if anything, it's healthy, I think, you know, and not to kind of keep going down on tangentless tangents on this, but we saw this with Zillow. The bottom line is everyone said, Oh, Zillow's great. They're there. They, they have a, a great product. But at the end of the day, it's not their service. It's really not their product. It was their price. Yeah. Same with Open Door. That's it. It had nothing. And yeah, there was convenience, but it was that price. If that price was slightly lower, their service and convenience is quickly diluted. Now you look at exactly what Zillow proved to us is every dollar that was saved from a consumer level from these sellers was lost by an investor in Zillow. Mm -hmm. That's not healthy. That's literally artificially propping up this market. And, and that's what I think a lot of consumers are screaming. We don't want that. We don't want another bummel. We don't want this bullshit. So at the end of the day, I think if you're really like pridefully standing on that podium of like, hey, we want, don't, 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 you know, support these, you know, really look into, especially your local realtor, look into someone that has your best interest. These companies well, don't, they it. only they protect don't. them. They're not out yeah. there to be, you know, protecting your fiduciary interests. And, you know, and that's what a realtor truly does. does. And uses their expertise to do so and their experience to do so. And when you're working with these companies, because I've done it before, I've worked with them, you know, I've had buyers of mine that have purchased properties from them. You don't ever talk to the same person once. And oh, it's, yeah. a, it, it's a giant mess. And it's really tough for somebody who's maybe a first time home buyer has never done it before. That's it's stressful yeah. anyway to do this. You know what I mean? And throw that on top of it and a lot of yeah. misinformation and stuff like that. It's just really hard. Ryan, what do you, in your world of mortgage, okay, you're, you're kind of separated from the iBuyers, but you must hear or feel from your, your world. What is it? What are the words? What are, what are the feelings that you get from, from your side of things on this? Well, yeah, similar to Katie, you know, um, we've been getting more and more of our clients' offers accepted on on these open door homes, and it's it's interesting. We have seen um, uh, offers come in below what the original asking price was. Yep. And we haven't seen this in a couple of years, but we see seller pay concessions. Yep. Where open door is willing to pay closing costs. Uh, we haven't seen that since uh, early 2000, uh, 2020, actually. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think it does show. Um, you know, that, that they maybe got a little bit too aggressive with their offers. And, uh, and just like Zillow, they're just trying to unload their homes because um, 
they don't really see the appreciation there, kind of like we were just talking about, that it's not going to be as hot as it has been over the past couple of years. So we are seeing a lot of that with our clients who are making open door or offer pad offers right now. Mm-hmm. Go after the FISBO market too, for sale by owners. Tell your buyers, yeah. the ones that aren't working with me, because I already tell the ones that are working with me, but tell them <laughs> to go after for sale by owners because I'm closing on one tomorrow. And it was, I mean, we negotiated so much. We got the property for less than market value, like considerably less. We got seller concessions. We got money for uh, in lieu of repairs and uh, this for sale by owner because he didn't know. Nice guy. Didn't know. But he ended up paying a, a higher co-broke than what's being paid right now. So poor guy. He needed a little bit of representation on his end. But as far as my buyer's concerned, they made out like bandits. So nice. tip out there. Yeah. And speak what you guys were talking about with open door and the service levels that we, we do see that same experience where it's basically like a general mailbox that all the emails go to. And there's a group of maybe, you know, 15 transaction coordinators that are all working together on it. So, you know, we haven't had great service with them and it is just kind of a bottom line thing. You know, it's just what's going to get them the most money because they do have a mortgage division as well. And I have run into some situations where um, if, if a client gets an offer accepted, their mortgage division tries to reach out and get their business away from us. Yeah. And it's really interesting. We always notice, you know, they, they offer a closing cost help if you go with them, but the rate is always maybe a quarter higher than what you could really get. So, you know, the bottom line is you're paying somewhere, you know, <laughs> and you're paying more for it, but you yes, don't think you in the are. long run. Yep. Yeah. You are exactly. You know, and I, and I think we just saw this with one of our clients right now and how open door ultimately stepped in. And, and, and to be honest, I, I felt like it was almost unethical, you know, because they're in this weird position where, you know, as a licensed realtor, you can't really discuss, you can't discuss price of a home price of a product. If you're making money off of this with a consumer, you know what I mean? If you're not licensed and you're making a commission or some sort. So open door has almost been able to kind of divide themselves into two parties where if you call in unrepresented, they'll then have you talk to someone that is not a licensed realtor. It's just a customer customer service representative. And they know that there's this fine line that they have to walk while they're communicating with this consumer. Now, the second you bring up, hey, I have a realtor that's representing me and I'm just putting my toes in the water. By rights, they're supposed to really stop and say, well, you need to have your realtor call in. And now it's a whole different side of the company. Okay. Now you have to talk to a whole different department. They don't even really communicate. Now your realtor has to call and directly talk to their realtors Now, where they come up and they highly manipulate this. And we have proof of this in text where our consumer called in, talked to them, talked to their customer service agent, blatantly told them on a Zillow call, I have a realtor. I have someone that's representing me that can't get rid of it. Well, let's just continue with the walkthrough. No problem. We'll pay their their commission. We'll do all this. Okay, great. They finally get to the nuts and bolts of it. He's communicating via text and asks, okay, how much, where does my realtor get paid? And how does that percentage come that you told me? And the text stops and it goes to a voice call. On the voice call, because it's not recorded and there's no proof to it, they assured him, oh, yeah, everything's totally fine. It's good. We'll do this. And sure enough, it wasn't. The second I called, everything changed. No, this percentage that we're charging you, X, no, that all goes to us. 
you're going to have to pay your realtor whatever commission you've agreed upon on top of that. So they now sucked all this time out of his hands, had him put these eggs in this basket and literally manipulated a consumer. And I felt it was so unethical. And so did he. He was just beyond pissed. And he was he was ultimately kind of he was in a time crunch. And he they put, put him in a time crunch. They, by them elongating things the week and a half that they were talking about this, they, they put him in this. And ultimately... Uh, we look at it that I will never get in, in front of one of my consumers' decisions that I do think is best. Um, we were representing him on the purchase of another home and the fact that he needed to sell this home quick. We needed to go this route. And it sucks because they ultimately put us in that position mm-hmm. to ultimately say, don't worry about it. We he felt that he wanted to pay me a commission on top of this. And of course, I'm going to say, no, don't, you know what I mean? I can't do that. And I appreciate that because he understood the value of our time and what we put into it. And he's like, don't worry, I got plenty of referrals coming your way. He's a good guy. So that's fine. But it sucks because they put a lot of people. And if you're a new realtor and you don't know what's going on, or you're a consumer that doesn't have that extra money to be loyal and say, hey, I respect the time you put into this as my realtor and the advice you gave, but I don't have anything to give you. It's super awkward. And it, I think it's predatory, honestly. Like yeah. it's just, it's, yeah. So I think all this that we're learning, what we're seeing, how, how kind of malicious they're kind of being, or uh, not malicious, but we'll say- They uh, only care about the bottom line. Yeah. And so, I think it's, it's, it's all being really, really amplified and people are seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. I do think, uh, I agree with you, Matt, how things are going to shift, especially with what Zillow did, how they're kind of getting out of the eye buyer. Because initially when, when Open Door first came about, it, it was more about convenience. Like yeah. you knew that, um, you know, if you, if you list your home with Matt and Katie, you're going to get a significant amount more in your pocket than you would with Open Door. Mm-hmm. But kind of in the case that you were mentioning, Matt, you know, sometimes it, it's, it's good to have that option yeah. because, you know, you might just want to sell your home quickly and, and you don't want to list it. You don't want chances it could fall out. So it, it's a good guaranteed way to sell your home. And but just over the past year, because the amount of appreciation we've seen, we've noticed their offers have been getting way more competitive mm-hmm. just because they could. And they, they, they banked on the home continuing to appreciate in the hot market. But as the market does shift, I, I do think they're going to go back to how they initially were, where you really won't get as much with those uh, the deals that they're offering. And it's yep. all about convenience. That's the only reason you really want to consider them. Absolutely. Yeah. You said it perfectly. And, and going back to what we were saying, these aren't real estate companies. These are data companies. So they're taking the same exact approach that any startup or any type of data company is doing. And what they're going after is market share. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of this year, when all the investors lined up and said, hey, we have a half a billion dollars or whatever, all this giant amount of money, they just said, we want market share. We don't care what you do. Get us market share. So they said, okay, we have half a billion dollars. X goes to... Uh, employees, X goes to marketing and the rest goes to just buying houses, buy as many as you can. We need market share in a real world. It doesn't work. It's almost like a government, the government setting up running, you know, almost bureaucratic uh, run businesses. They, they wouldn't work in the real world. We don't print money, you know? So the same thing we're seeing here is capitalism is kind of filtering this out. I think. All right, guys. 
I think we could talk about this all day, but we're I, not going to no. because <laughs> it is now the end of the show. Thank you guys so much. That was an awesome and very passionate conversation. I love it when I throw things at you and you're not ready for them. And you just, I'm I mean, always ready. you just did a beautiful oh, job there. So he looked very ready for that one. He, took he was ready. very ready. Good job, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> if you are interested in being a guest on the show, please follow us at team Evo AZ at Facebook and give us a like and send us a message message to let us know why you would like to be a guest on this show. Our handle is at team Evo AZ on all of your favorite social media platforms. Also, while you're there and listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, Please subscribe, download, and rate, and like, and do all the things that you can do on that platform to help us get the real information out to the real people. Again, I want to thank Ryan Gilliam with Waterstone Mortgage for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks so for much, having Ryan. me. It's always a yeah, pleasure. Happy we Veterans love Day, everybody. What you have to thank say. you all, the, our veterans, for your service. Oh yes, yes. Happy Veterans Day. Happy veterans thank Day you so to much. all. Absolutely, really appreciate that. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs>